It's time for pumpkin flavors and new fall favorites at Dunkin'. And also some tough decisions. Like, do I want a signature pumpkin spice ice latte? A brand new oat milk latte? A new chai latte? Or a pumpkin iced coffee? Oh, and the bakery. Do I want a pumpkin donut or... Uh, there are other people behind you in this drive-thru. Oh, uh, I'll just take it all. Okay. It's all the cozy you crave at Dunkin'. Pumpkin favorites and new fall additions. Like new creamy without the dairy oat milk lattes and the signature pumpkin spice ice latte, plus more. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome, listener. How are you? I'm glad you're doing well, and I'm glad you had a good week. Welcome back to Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people, where we talk about critical issues in the blindness community. Today, for the first time, and probably today for the first time for listeners, we are joined by someone from the beautiful Caribbean island of Bermuda. As a matter of fact, as I said, this is the first Bermudian I've met, and this is someone who is actually from Bermuda and was actually born there. Brandon Fox, welcome to Aaron's Opinion. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, quick, cor- cri- eh, quick correction, Bermuda is not a part of the Caribbean or oh. in the Caribbean. Okay, well, that's, that's true. You would say it's in the Atlantic <laughs> or you call it in the Atlantic? Yeah. Okay. So we're about, that's, we're that's about like true. 700 miles off of the coast of North Carolina. Okay, that's true. So basically, that's true. Um, the 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 Atlantic Island, we, we can say, um, as yeah. you can as you can tell, I've never been there. I've heard of it, um, but I've never been. So, what can you tell me? By the way, let's start off with your blindness. Um, what can you tell me about, for one thing, growing up uh, blind um, on Bermuda and uh, what that whole situation entailed? Tell us about that. Well. I was born with a condition known as bilateral retinopathy of premature kid. And so my retinas are very thin and can be detached very easily. Now, I have only recently lost the majority of my sight. I'm not 100% blind, but I have I have some I have a decent a bit a decent bit of sight left in my left eye, but my right eye is just, uh, is completely blurred in the center and some vision out of my peripheral. But growing up here, it is, it, it's been hard because there's not, there's no, there's no laws here in Bermuda like there are in the US to protect against people with disabilities and or to protect against people with disabilities. So there's been a lot of uh, discrimination throughout the years. Hmm. That that both concerns me and it doesn't surprise me, sadly. I will tell you that as a successful American, um, I have I too have faced a profound discrimination. Um, so silly question, um, since you're a Bermudian. So like, um, I, I forget, uh, and pardon <laughs> pardon the silliness, but so is is Bermuda an, an independent an independent nation, or is it just kind of functioning as part of part of Britain? How how, did, how does that work? Bermuda is a British dependent territory. That's okay. That's what I thought. That's why I was trying. To, I I couldn't come up with the terminology, but I thought it had some connection to Britain. Okay, so yeah. then I mean the reason I'm asking then is so then aren't you technically a British citizen? By by law, I mean. 
Technically, yes. But if I do move out to the UK, which is what right now I'm trying to do. Right. I'm trying to move out to the UK, but I still have to apply for UK citizenship once I get out there. Huh. But the process is a lot easier if I if I show proof that I am a Bermudian. <laughs> well, if you have a passport that says Bermuda, I think that would prove to me that you're yeah. a Bermudian. <laughs> so the, from what I know, the process is, I, first I got to show my passport. And then the other thing is I have to have someone who's been living out in the UK for the last 10 years that is not a family member that has that knows me. That can vouch. Boy. Which oh boy. I have somebody out there who can do that for me. So I see. I see. So but, but I mean the, is it is it just simply is, a long getting, oh yes. The issue is for me is getting out there because Bermuda is an extremely, extremely expensive place to live. Right. Hmm. Okay. Bermuda is one of the high one of the number one places in the world for cost of living. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but that's still, I mean, I thought there were places more expensive than Bermuda. I mean, I, now on this, um, on this particular island uh, or, or on, on the island of, of, of Bermuda, um, I, I will kind of retrace my steps a little and tell mm -hmm. you that I, that I volunteered years ago in St. Lucia in the Eastern Caribbean. So, um, mm -hmm. I mean, Again, I've never been to Bermuda, so the only thing I would kind of picture is an environment sort of similar to St. Lucia, where it's like a big island. Um, but I mean, is there like, on Bermuda, is there like a, a city, like like a capital, or, or is it just like a big town? How would you describe that well, from a blindness perspective? Bermuda is actually not one island. It's a cluster of islands, so it's an archipelago. It's a, a archipelago. Archipelago. I can't, I can't say that word. <laughs> Maybe the word. The word might be. Is it? Is it? Um. And I think I'm getting it right. Is it archipelago, or archipelago, yes. or something like that? Archipelago. Archipelago. It's either. Yeah. It's either. The word we're looking for, guys. Here is. It's either. We're going to get a lot of comments about this this episode. <laughs> it's either. There's going to be. I can already. I already see the hateful emails right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're very, you're very good natured. I, 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 I <laughs> or, 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 or even better, any British person should should know what an art. We should know that that Bermuda is an archipelago or something like that. <laughs> the thing is, not a lot of people even know that Bermuda. Some people have only, some people have only heard of the Bermuda Triangle and not of the island, not of the island itself. Well, as no, I mean, I've I've heard of both. I've heard of the Bermuda Triangle story, but that gets us way off. That gets us way off. Uh, no pun intended. That really gets us off course. And then I've heard of the island, um, which of course I know. <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle is a trade route. It's right. a three-point trade route that from Bermuda to the U.S. to. I'm not even going to try and remember. <laughs> it's so, been years. All right, so. At any rate, there's a it's it's a group of islands, okay. Yes. And so, what are some of these islands so, called? And are and are you living on the largest of the islands? So the islands are broken up into parishes. Okay. There's nine parishes. We have. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna. So you got uh, Somerset, Southampton, Warwick, uh, Paget. Pembroke. Wait, I'm missing one. 
Devonshire, Hamilton, Smiths, and St. St. George's. Hmm. I might be missing one or two. I don't know well, if that's nine. You know, well, you know what? N number one, I wasn't counting. Number two, because I'm not a Bermudian, I wouldn't know if you missed one. Oh, there's nine. Okay. And I wasn't counting. So. Well, that is, that is fine. The, okay. main, mm -hmm. the main city is Hamilton. Okay, so Hamilton would be like the capital where like there would be like embassies yes. and major buildings. So Hamilton, Bermuda, basically. Yes. We have the town. Hamilton has the town hall and all the other important buildings, the courthouse mm -hmm. and everything else. Right. And then we have Dockyard, which is up in Somerset. That mm -hmm. is our, that's the, one of our major ports. Mm -hmm. so we have two, two major ports in Bermuda. We have one in Dockyard and we have the Hamilton port, the port in Hamilton. Right, right. Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, back to kind of where we were, where were we going? So basically, there's been a lot of discrimination. Um, if you want, um, can you talk, and you, you don't need to give all of the personalities, but can you talk about some times in your life to educate people uh, about how serious this problem is, about times where you felt, where you faced, uh, faced discrimination? Do you, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I can talk about that. Talk about it. So at one point when I was, when I was in my primary school, I was trying to get a para. What's that? Uh, a para, a, a scribe. Ah, okay. So someone, someone who will read and write for me. Uh-huh. Because I couldn't see the board, so they'd read the board out to me, read my paperwork out to me, and then write down my answers for me. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to get a scribe, and for the first five years of being in that school, the um, the principal of the school was fighting back, was fighting against me getting a para. Mm. Mm. Because the principal thought that it would come out of the school's budget. And what does what does British law? Let's just let's just simplify it by saying what does British law say about education, and what what do you know about the British laws as they well, relate to discrimination? The reason the I'm is, asking though, is I was, has, I was talking. Bermuda, has, Bermuda is a British dependent territory, but we have our own laws. Ah, uh, so okay. There are laws, if I remember correctly, there are laws that protect people with disabilities and stuff like that in the in Britain in the UK but there aren't any in Bermuda. That's a problem. Yes. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm very frustrated by that and I'm very sorry about that. And uh, what, what was the end result of this, of this fight? I got a para. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. The end very... result was I got, I got a para. So. Well, good. good. That was good. And was it just a fellow student who was willing to to transcribe to help you? No, we. Uh, it ended up a group was ended up being created that had that um, brought that uh, trained people to be paras that provided paras for uh, visually impaired and blind students around the islands. Hmm. Hmm. Good. So right now, there's only a select. There's only a certain number of paras that work on the island, but mainly because there's not that many. Bermuda has about 4,000 blind people on the island. Really? Out of how many, what, what, what is the population of Bermuda? 
if I remember correctly, the last time I think they did the count was in back in 2017, I think. And it was like at 77,000, I think. Okay. So that's, if the, if it's an island and you have 4,000 blind people, that's quite a high number. Do you, do you think so? But the thing is, most of the blind people that, most of the people who are blind are, were either went blind later on in their life or are going blind due to old age and stuff like that. So that's the majority of the blind people on the island, people who are like living in retirement homes and stuff like that. So you don't really see blind people around in Bermuda. Huh. Huh. Okay. All right. But in the last couple of years, we've had more uh, younger kids who've been born blind. So like in my life, for my 18 years of life, we've had more blind people in Bermuda. That right. It seems like at least because we've had more like me in my year alone, in my year, uh, year bracket alone, we had uh, four blind people mm. in my school. And then years underneath me, we had like, I think there's a total of like 10 or 12 blind students in the system right now. Hmm. Wow. Well, that's, that's very, all very interesting information. Um, all right. So, um, and, and how, how old are you now? Uh, I go 19 next month. Okay, you're, you're so, turning. You, you, okay, fine, fine, good. Um, that is that is fine. So um, all really, all really fascinating. All right. So then, what happened after you graduated from from high school? Uh, technically, I didn't graduate from high I'm, school. I am sorry. I am sorry. I didn't know that. I'm I'm so sorry. No. Okay. No, it's um, fine. Techni okay. Technically, I didn't graduate. I could have graduated, but. The thing was, my grades were so bad, and I, for me, in my last years of school, I had just been beaten down and just knocked down so many times that I had just ended up just giving up in total on school. Like, I felt that the school system wasn't in it for me, so why should I be there fighting for it if they're not even going to do their job? And yeah help me i i complete i completely understand um so i ended up just giving up at the end because i was just like it's it's not worth putting myself through all this stress for nothing right right yeah i mean it's uh, I, I i think that there are probably a lot of listeners to this podcast who are in your situation around the world who can relate to that i think that this is quite i i appreciate I, I greatly respect you for the amount of courage that that took for you to correct me and to actually admit that out loud on, on my podcast and tell the truth about that. It's really valuable so that people can learn about how this is a really, really, really serious problem. So thank you. I, I immensely appreciate that. Well, um, that, uh, so, so how do you spend your time now? Kind of like what, what are your plans and how are you spending your time? Well, I've been for the last two years, I've been trying for the last year or so, I've been trying to get a job. But again, coming back to the issue of discrimination and also not being also there not being many blind people who are who would actually go out and try and find a job. 
the employers aren't really experienced and don't really know how to deal with it here. Mm -hmm. So there's really no, they don't really have a basis for how to work with a blind person type thing. Mm. If you understand what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is a problem that this is an excuse that employers are using all over the world to discriminate yeah. against, but, and it's, it's really not, and, and it's not okay. Even just being on the Island of Bermuda, that's not a reason to not hire you. And it's not, that's not an excuse. Um, I mean, statistically, could there be less jobs on Bermuda? Probably, but that's, that's still not appropriate. I mean, that's, uh, that's very, that's very, very interesting. So, I mean, obviously there's all, every country has basically any job, but what are some of the main jobs? on Bermuda these days. Hmm. Hello? 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 I'm here. I'm just oh, thinking. Okay. Oh, Sorry. no problem. Bermuda is, the way that Bermuda is, it's kind of like the Switzerland of the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. So a lot of companies come here to set up their home base mm -hmm. because of the way that taxes work. Yeah, we've heard we've heard a lot of rumors about that, but a lot of the rumors that Americans have heard about about Bermuda and banking and taxes, a lot of that's not true. Do Do you want to tell us? Do you want to summarize like the the um, the truth about that? What's really going on? Well, from just from what I, I don't really know much about it, so I can't really say much. But just just the way that everything looks here, the way. It, that that I the things I see here, a lot of big com a lot of big companies from the U.S. and around the world have have offices here. Like we mm -hmm. have um, here in Bermuda, we've got um, like one of our main banks is HSBC. Yeah, which is Canadian, pretty big bank. If I remember correctly, yeah. Um, but it's just like a lot of you look around and the thing is Bermuda, we don't have any American franchises here. Like the, uh, we don't have Starbucks. We don't have McDonald's. We don't have any of that here. Whoa. Whoa. You don't wait a minute. Whoa. You don't, you don't have Starbucks. No. Oh, that's a problem. I can't come then. Fine. Forget it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, McDonald's you can live without. But Starbucks, no, 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 no. We got the closest got thing we have to an American food chain is KFC. Oh, that you don't need. Okay, that's really unhealthy. In my in my opinion, that's something you don't need. In my opinion, oh boy, that's that's interesting. Okay, okay. Well, very, 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 very entertaining. Yes, mm -hmm. we had American food chains here. We had McDonald's and stuff like that here during World War Two, but mm. once the war ended, they kicked them all out. I see. I see. Kicked mm -hmm. all the food chains out. Hmm. Well, um, I mean, have you have you ever approached any of the uh, any of these Canadian franchises or Canadian companies, and you know, showed them your CV and said, "Look, you know, I'm blind. I need a job." Basically, have you done that? Have you tried? No. Not no. I see. I have. I've had one job before. And it was it was really a, it was a two day part time job, mm -hmm. 
where I was working in an office, I was unboxing um, catalogs, mm. putting flyers in. I was unboxing the catalogs from the warehouse, putting flyers in the catalogs and then reboxing them to be sent out to different offices around the island. Mm-hmm. And I did that for about two days. And that, that, that's something that I could do. Like one, one common thing that people would say about a blind person that is not true is that blind people can't do hard labor mm. or any form of physical labor. Right. But it is true. Which blind people can do is, hard labor. Yeah. Common misconception. People don't. People think that blind people can't do hard labor or any form of physical labor. Right. Mm-hmm. It's funny the. It's funny the stereotypes that are placed on blind people that aren't placed on people with other disabilities. Well, it it's ironic. It is ironic. Yes. But I mean, I mean, I can answer the phone better. I can answer the phone as best as anybody else can. <laughs> sure, why not? Exactly. Like, exactly. There's a job, I, I was trying to get a job as working in, in a call center, mm-hmm. but I never got a call back from there. So I don't know what happened with that. Right, right, I see. And what type of, I mean, what type of call center was it? Uh, out of curiosity. Um, one of our local phone companies here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the main issue for a lot of jobs here is will the accessibility software be able to mesh with their system? Because some systems used here and some well used around the world, the like um, uh, Jaws and. Uh, Nova Reader and all those types of stuff. Mm-hmm. Voiceover, yeah. Voiceover, all that type of stuff. It some of a lot of the times it just does not work with their systems. So that mm-hmm. kind of cuts me out of a good chunk of jobs because the voiceover or text speech or any form of the accessibility just does not work. I mm. can't use it. I see. I see. Well. Um... I mean, all I can say is, you you know, everybody would tell you this, and I know that this is frustrating, but this, number one, this is life. Number two, you just have to keep trying to find people who would be willing to give you a chance. Um, it's, you know, it's very, very, very unfortunate that times have become so difficult, but I think, I think they have. But one of them on a much, one of the other topics on a much lighter note, is that I've done a lot of traveling and I've been to England. I lived there for three months. I've been to France three times. You know, I've been all over Europe and I've also done a lot of sailing in my life. I've sailed in the United States and I want you to talk about the experiences that you've had sailing because you've gone on a lot of, from what I heard based on the the YouTube live where I, I saw what you were talking about in that live from a couple days ago, it sounds like you've done a lot of sailing, and I'm asking. No. Because, oh, I've been on two sailing trips. Okay, well, why don't you tell me about those trips then? Because I, I want to learn I more went about on, them. I've been on one sailing trip before I lost my sight, mm-hmm. and that was on the Spirit of Bermuda, which mm. is a sloop, and we just sailed around Bermuda for a few days. 
that was fun. But after I lost my sight, I was approached by a group here in Bermuda called the um, Bermuda the Bermuda Sailors Home, mm. which back in the day was a group of people who had put who pretty much put up um, put together. They would uh, like rent out their rooms and stuff like that to the sailors coming ashore on shore leave. Mm-hmm. They'd put the sailors up in, in rooms and stuff like that to provide them with a nice warm bed off the ship. Right. And so now what the Bermuda Sailors Home has been doing for the last year, they, for, for the first time in February, I believe it was the first time, but in February, they sponsored six people from Bermuda to go on a sailing trip hmm. on the toll ship Tenacious. Right. And this is something that I have been researching. And this is with, do you want to tell us what the organization is called that actually owns that ship? The, the Jubilee special... Sailing Club. You got it. You got it. Exactly. So um, what can you tell me about this experience? Because I, I was doing some research. What happened was I've been wanting to do a sailing trip where I can be out on the open ocean and have like a real serious experience for several weeks or several days. Um, and then I was speaking to someone else on my podcast from last week, who's done a lot of trips with, with JST, Jubilee Sailing Trust. And he Mm -hmm. mentioned it and then I researched it and then I heard you talking about it. So basically I'm trying to, you know, let my audience learn about it, but I'm trying to put together, eventually I'm trying to put together a list for myself of all of the other blind people who have participated in it so that eventually, um, I can put together a group for myself of all the people that I want to talk to about organizing a sailing trip because it's going to take some organization and planning. So tell us about the whole process with um, going on this trip. Well, when, when I, uh, when did this first start? This first came about back in November of 2019. That's when this all started. I got a call from my uh, vision rehabilitation officer. And he had he knew that I had been interested in a, figuring out a way to go sailing again because I've always enjoyed it. But after I lost my sight, wasn't sure if it would would be possible. So he called me one day and told me that there is an, there would be an opportunity for me to go sailing, and I just have to apply for the uh, for the chance to. So he asked me if I wanted to, and I told him yes. He put my name in the list. And I was I was applied for it. Then a about a month later, they closed the draw and they took a few names out of the hat and my name came up. So I went I went on the sailing trip and I tried to do a daily sort of like a daily vlog throughout the entire trip. I recorded a few videos every few days to um, just show off what I was doing on the ship. But the way that the trip worked was we left Bermuda on the 14th of February. We flew from Bermuda to Miami. We got to Miami Friday afternoon. We stayed the night in Miami. Then the next day we flew from Miami to Antigua. 
and we spent Saturday night and Sunday in Antigua. And then Sunday night, we boarded the Tenacious. We got acquainted with the crew and everything, and we got put in our bunks, and then we all went out for drinks. And then we set sail on Monday morning, and that the experience of sailing as a blind person, or not even just a blind person, but as a person with a disability, was exhilarating. It really is. It gave me the freedom that I have not felt in years. And so we had set sail Monday morning. My, uh, what, what was it? Monday, um, Monday evening, we were given our watch cards, which, which would tell us when we go on watch and at what time. So my, my watch group had the, my watch group was on, uh, we were on watch for the 8 a.m. shift. So it was 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. And by then we had made it to our first stop on our trip, which was St. Barth's. Mm-hmm. That I believe is a and, is a French. That's a French uh, French colony, Saint Bart's. Yes. Yeah. It's speaking, you were mentioning how Bermuda is expensive. Saint Bart's. Saint Bart's is like ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Saint Bart's is very oh, yeah. up. Very. That's up there. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice there. Yeah, it is. Um. So we got to. I was at the helm, and mm. I brought the ship into port. Oh my God! That's so, that's exactly that what I would do. That's what I remember. That was an awesome yeah. experience. Yep. There's one thing, I, I don't know if you've used this piece of technology before, mm -hmm. but on Tenacious, they have a talking compass. Excellent. And so we use that to for the blind people on the ship too, so we can also be at the helm. Mm -hmm. Now, I brought the ship into port and we we were at St. Bart's because we were invited there to we were invited there for a party from <laughs> by somebody who had sponsored wow. uh, the JST. <laughs> That's amazing. That's incredible so, to get invited to a party on St. Bart's. Oh my god. Yeah. I met uh, I met a man there who the man who invited us um he owns the Gustavia Yacht Club there. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Actually, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you Sarah should. Scalia, maybe I, oh, I was going to say maybe you shouldn't name uh, drop because maybe oops. he doesn't want to be mentioned. No, no, no problem, no problem. Anyway, over over my my talking, it wasn't too clear. So okay, so you met you so you met that person, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was a it was an awesome experience. The, the party was nice and then we went back to the ship and now the the thing about the ship is at night once everything closes down there is no um, curfew on board but there is a lights out so at 8pm sharp like the ship goes dark 
the overhead lights go all, go out and the red lights come on. The red lights are there to to preserve your night vision. Right. The only part of the ship that has the lights turned on is the lower mess and the bar. Mm. And the um, cabin up top. The wheelhouse. Bridge. <laughs> so... I pretty much paid for my drinks and my singing, so <laughs> I sung aboard the ship, and that's pretty much how I paid for my drinks throughout the entire trip. Oh, okay. So you 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 <laughs> sponsored your own drinks based on your own singing. Yes, <laughs> that's int- that's cool, <laughs> and and entertaining. All right. Mm. So um, so what do you? So wait a minute. You shouldn't have brought that up. What do you like to sing? It it depends. I I've learned a few songs so far. I haven't I haven't sung in a long time. But the last the song that I have memorized is uh, "Drunken Sailor." I will not be singing that. <laughs> well then, well then, don't. That is fine. That is fine. Okay. All right. So at at twenty hundred lights, basically lights go out at twenty hundred. Yeah. So then. What happens for the rest of the night on the ship? So if you're not on watch, it's your choice what you do. You could either go straight to sleep or you can go down to the bar and it's no, it's, you got the bar there. You can drink whatever. And there's snacks and stuff like that. And it's just a common room where everybody just goes to hang out. There's a few in- instruments down there. So people know how to, what, what, if people know how to play, then the, you got live music. It's, it's fun. That's, this, sounds, this sounds like a dream. This really, for me, guys, let me tell you, this would be a dream come true. In fact, it would be a dream come true, as strange as, as it is for me to say this. It would be a dream come true for someday me, you, and this other person from the UK to get to go on one of these trips, because this would be really, really, really cool. This is so perfect. Well, if I get this grant, I'll be going again in March. Right. Of this year. Yeah, I saw that one where they're doing like Antigua to um to Antigua. Bermuda. Antigua back to, to back to, to where you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The it's only a, uh, ten days at sea. Right. Right. Yeah. So then that is that is really, really, really good. And um oh, yeah, what um, else can you tell us about the food, the regular meals on the ship? Mm-hmm. Uh well before you go on the ship, they you get this um while you're signing up for everything, you get this big booklet that you have to fill out for information and stuff like that. So you got to show your passport. You've got to um, give them any health issues that you have. You got to let them know if you have any disabilities or anything like that. You have to let them know if you have any dietary requirements or anything or any allergies because you will get, Depending on what your allergies are or your diet, your dietary requirements, the chef will make you, the cook, sorry, will make you a special meal for you. Good. So if you have dietary requirements, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, then there's a vegan meal for you. If you can't have dairy, there's a vegan, there's a um, lactose intolerant free, a lactose free meal for you. Mm-hmm. There's always something there for you to eat as long as you have notified the, the um, ship of your dietary requirements. Right. Excellent. Mm-hmm. But the food on board is <laughs> awesome. 
I see. I see. But here's the thing. Do not, and, and, and I repeat, do not waste time getting to the mess because there is a finite amount of food. And if you miss out, you miss out. I see. Mm-hmm. There was one time where we had just come back from the beach. So I had gotten, gotten bored, <clears throat> went down and got a shower. By the time I got out of the shower, there, there was only uh, vegetarian meals left. So funny. that night I had vegetarian curry. Hmm. Because it was curry, chicken, and rice, but the um, there was no more chicken left, so I had vegetarian curry. Mm-hmm. But the food on board is awesome. Well, that is that is so good. So specifically, when you were on watch, um, what what do you do? What 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 were you assigned to do? Well, the ship uh, the shifts change. Like what each person does on watch changes depending on first where you are and depending on if you're at port or if you're anchored off the, um, if you're anchored or if you're um, moored up to the dock or whatnot. So depending on where you are, you'll either have people at the helm, you'll have one person at the helm and then you'll have a lookout on either side and then you just rotate on and off in 20 minute shifts, Mm -hmm. 15 to 20 minute shifts. But me being, me having my low vision while we were sailing, I was either, I, they pretty much put me on the helm for almost the entire, for about the first like hour, hour and a half, I would be at the helm. And then once I got, if I got tired of standing or whatnot, I'd switch off for about 20 minutes or so and just take a break. Mm-hmm. And then they put me back on the helm because it was really the only thing I could do while we were sailing. Now, while we were anchored and doing anchor watch, our job is to track the weather, mm-hmm. the wind speed, and make sure we haven't moved off course, make sure we're still anchored properly. Right. So my job then was to was to get the wind direction because... I was I got the wind direction extremely fast. Like I I remember what the first time I did it, me and my watch leader we both went outside and as soon as I walked out the door I I said it's coming from the east. Turned back around, went inside. She says, "I don't believe you." <laughs> so she goes and because um, I just walked out the door, and immediately after walking out the door, I knew exactly where the wind was coming from and yep. just turned around and went back inside. She went up to where we, um, where we do our, uh, where we test where the wind's coming from. She went up onto the main deck and stood there and for about a few seconds and then comes back and was like, how did you do that that fast? I have That's ears funny. and they're very strong. <laughs> That's something that that's something that I would say. That's something that would happen happen with me. Well, that's that's very very entertaining. Okay. Well, good, good. Um, and what can you tell us, tell our listeners about you know your 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 cabin aboard this great this great ship? Well, me, I was in the the forecastle, so I was in the male cabin on the forecastle. So I was up at the front, and the way that that works is it's double row, row of it's a row of double bunks on each side going up the ship, and that's up at the front, 
that's up at the um, front half of the ship. <clears throat> right. And then, okay. and then once you come to midships, you have the cabins for the people who need, uh, who would like, who would need like the um, disabled showers or whatnot, mm-hmm. the disabled bathrooms. So people who are in wheelchairs or people who. Uh, just need quick access to like the bathrooms and stuff like that and easy access to the beds and everything. Mm-hmm. So that was okay. where the people with like wheelchairs and everything and other um, disabilities would go. Hmm. All right. Good. Good. But I mean, what can you tell us about, you know, how would you describe the cabin itself? Is it just sort of basically what I would picture a bunk bed and basically bunk bed, toilet, shower, just like that? Uh, no, it was, uh, in the forecastle, it was just a, a long row of bunk beds. Hmm. And then you have, you have the main, you have the entrance to the, um, to the male side of the room. You go through that door and you come to a set of two, two staircases that are split at, in between the two staircases is a hallway taking you down to midships and the lower mess. Now, directly in front of each staircase is a bathroom, just a toilet. But in the in each um, in each room, sorry, in each um, side of the forecastle. So we had the on the males were on the right and the females were on the left. On each side, there was two showers. So you had two showers on the male side and two showers on the female side. So for the forward, for the folks, it was a total of like maybe, I would say about 20 people sharing two showers. (laughs) No, it was about like 15 people sharing two showers. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. And uh, what did you, what did you think of that? Uh, It was fine because there was really never any backup for, there was never any line or any waiting for the showers. Mm -hmm. Within the first day, it was a system worked out that pretty much, we didn't put together a system like a shower timesheet or whatnot where each individual person had a slot for the shower, but it just worked out like that, where each person had their own specific time where they chose to go and get a shower. And like, like some people would, instead of getting a shower first thing in the morning, once they wake up, they'd get a shower during the break time, which you get an hour after you get, so lunch is at 12, 12 to one. And then from like one thirty, from one to three, is quiet time where people can go down for people who were on the morning shift. So people who are on the 8 a.m. to 12 shift or even people who were on the 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. shift, those people could come down to their bunks and sleep for about three hours until dinner. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I did that a few times. There was one time where I was, I ended up not being able to sleep one night so I was up for a total of I couldn't go to sleep I ended up like sleeping for about an hour that night 
because the what happened was the air conditioner had broke down on the ship, and the guy, the um, the bosun's mate, the bosun's mates and the engineers were down in the ship's belly trying to get the AC working again. But while they were doing that, it was just too hot. So I ended up, I ended up just going and sitting up on deck and just relaxing up there. At one point, one person, it was too hot for one person. Though, so they went and slept in the mess. <laughs> okay. In the mess above the, um, above the bunks, above, not, not bunks, above the um, chair, the benches in the mess is a big row of just bean bags that we could all sit on. Mm-hmm. And the one person took their blanket and just went and slept on the bean bags. Mm-hmm. Those bean bags are comfortable. <laughs> Very comfortable. <laughs> all right then. All right. So, yeah. And and so did they ever resolve this issue of air condition the air yeah. conditioning? The air conditioner was out for about a day. Hmm. But it it, it was working. <clears throat> Well, that's not uncommon at all on a ship to have a mechanical or a appliance failure like that. I'm sure that happens constantly with ships. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was one point in our trip. I believe it was during our time where we were, we were sailing from our second stop to our third stop, which mm-hmm. our second stop was Anguilla. Angui- Anguilla. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Angui- Anguilla. Yeah. Anguilla. Mm-hmm. Now, Anguilla was beautiful. It was nice there, mm-hmm. but. We ended up from from Anguilla. We instead of uh, using the engines to go out to sea and then set sail, mm-hmm. we did something. We did something real cool. We ended up sailing off the anchor. Oh wow! So, do you know what that is? Well, why don't you? I I might, but why don't you tell us? Because I think most of our guests probably don't know. So, what we did, we set up the sails in a. We set up the main mast. And the, I'm trying to remember the names of the masts. <laughs> uh, we set up the main mast and the, the mast midships and the forward mast mm-hmm. to, um, in a certain way to where the, to create sort of like a wind tunnel to force the ship to rotate in a certain direction. Right. So the wind would come in and hit one sail and bounce off that sail and hit the other sail and mm. cause the ship to spin in a counterclockwise way. And so we did that to spin ourselves around and build up speed. And while we were spinning, we started to raise the anchor at the la- at like the last within the last minute of our of us setting up. And once we raised the anchor, we as I was raising the anchor, we put the ship, we put the masts back in order, and we pretty much just took off from there. We had a good buildup of wind coming in that were built up in the sails, and once we turned the masts, the wind caught the sails and propelled us off the anchor out to sea. Mm. Excellent. And, yeah. And so at that point, we were running low on water in the ship, so we had to sail out to out off of our off of our original course we had to sail out and um to use the purifier mm, mm-hmm. we had to sail a, we had to sail further off off the coast we had to get out into deeper water so we could use the purifier safely mm, that's cool yeah 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 
Well, I mean, obviously, when 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 the ship is at is at port, they you know they pump out you know they pump out the sewage, they pump in fresh water, they give it a pump. But yeah, that would be definitely an issue when ships are out out to sea. That you need but, to have fresh water. Yeah. The thing is, we never were at port. Oh wow. Hmm. We were always on the anchor. Hmm. The only place that we were actually at port was docked. when we were in Antigua. So you were physically docked at at, at Antigua. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at all our at all of our hour stops, we were anchored out, and we had to use the the ribs to get in. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, this sounds for me just absolutely perfect. This sounds like a this. I mean, I've done a lot of vacations, um, and this one definitely is on my list now. This sounds like just a dream come true for me. Um, so now, what do you know in general? I, I know you don't work for them, but what do you know about the company? You know, do they have participants and sailors and passengers from all over the world? Um, is it mostly British people because it's a British company, or what? What's the uh, you know the the dynamics of these? Surprisingly, not. <laughs> we had a lot of people from Canada. We had some people from the U.S. Had people from Ireland and Scotland, and um, we only had a few people from the U.K. I see. In total, I think we only had like about six or ten people <clears throat> from the UK. Mm-hmm. Well, that. And I, that's out of a crew of that's out of a crew of forty-seven people on ship on the ship at that wow. time. Wow. All right. Yeah. And now, where and where was the crew from? Were they all British or just scattered all over the world from all over the place? The crew. The um, the main crew were scattered. We had we had a few that were from the U.S. Just by the way that they their voice sounded to me, at least. Right. Uh, we had one. We had one person from the. Uh, we had uh, two or three people from the UK. Had one person from Ireland. And some people from Scotland. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. The good. Th- the thing that I love about the JST, though, is, as a blind person or as a person with a disability, we can we don't have to go on the ship as a, as a visitor. We don't have to go on the ship as a, um, as a crew member, not, not a crew member, as a member of the um, temporary crew. Like we, we're not only permitted to go on the ship when we're going on a trip. We can actually do volunteer work on the ship and we can have, we can, we as a disabled community, we can be either a cook's assistant, bosun's mate, watch leader. Like, because my, my eventual goal is once I get a little bit more experience, I'm going to apply for, to be a watch leader on my next trip. Mm-hmm. Good. So as a watch leader, I, I would be leading a group of about six, pe- six to ten that's people. That's really, and that's really special that this, this company really gives me the impression with the preliminary research I've done. They've really given me the impression that they really, that you really do learn how to work on a ship, even if you have a disability. And that's really special that you would come, you would come off, you would come off the ship with definitely skills. Um, and you would know a lot about, you know, doing certain activities on the ship to help out. So yeah, that's like really, that's really valuable. Yeah, it's, that's amazing. Well, um, Brandon, I have about four minutes and then I, I don't want to have to awkwardly cut you off, but I'm going to have mm-hmm. to awkwardly cut you off. So I just <laughs> want to say, 
um, that you've done a magnificent recording. You've done a magnificent job today, um, motivating me even further to try to research JST and try to figure out a way for me to participate. Um, <clears throat> um, I mean, right now I'm American, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering how it, it's almost impossible for me to get, um, to get on to some of these trips right now. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's really, I don't think it's possible, but I would certainly, I would certainly like more information. So, but having nothing to do with all of that, um, do you have any final words uh, for our uh, audience uh, to, uh, today? Do what you want to do and don't let anything hold you back. <laughs> simple enough. I like that quote at the end, simple enough. Simple enough. That's good. That's good. You, sir, are a great friend to me. You're a great friend to Aaron's opinion, even though we've never met, even though you really have no idea who I am. Trust me, you're always welcome on Aaron's Opinion, a podcast where you um, can always share your opinions about what's going on in Bermuda, what's going on on a ship, or maybe what's going on in the UK, wherever you might be. I certainly wish you the very, very, very best of luck in your journey to hopefully get to emigrate to the UK at some point. I'm sure you'll get to do it. I will certainly add you to the group for Aaron's opinion. Um, and um, <clears throat> if you are definitely going on this next trip in March to Antigua, Antigua to Bermuda, let me know because I would like more information about that. If you at home want to comment about this episode, I would love to hear from you. All you need to do is send a blank, uh, send eight, no, is send an email, hopefully with something in it, um, to Aaron's Opinion Six at gmail.com. A A R O N S O P I N. Uh, you know how you spell it, the O P I N I O N six at gmail.com. Brandon, you did a great job, and you're always welcome on my podcast. I do need to be going with more things to do today. As I like to say, have a good day today and a great day tomorrow. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you can save at penfed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you can save at penfed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.